welcome to another episode of Stargo Podcast. I'm Lissy and I'm here with Angie and we're going to talk about the second episode of season three titled The Suspects. And I'm just going to say the, the person I suspect the most here is still Starman. What is going on, dude? What? <laughs> that's, that's literally what I wrote. At, like once I finished the episode, I was like, isn't it? Aren't we all thinking Starman at this point? Because it's too easy. It's too easy to have like one of the villains do it. Because I think that's like they're making it so obvious with like looking at the different villains. I'm like, bro, why aren't we looking at the heroes? Like, why aren't we thinking about the guy who still can't account for how he's back? Right. And like, why is no one asking him why he's back? He's there acting shady. Um, I, that wasn't a pun, I promise. Uh, it wasn't a pun on the shade. But like, he was, I mean, I know he he wasn't really around the whole time. But like, the shade actually helped. And I'm not saying that means he's good now. But like, aren't the heroes not supposed to go off and like, I don't know, lose their uh, temper on anyone? Like, and then he drags Courtney into it. And Courtney, sweet summer child that she is, is so like, I'm going to go with you because you want to apologize. Like, I do not for a moment believe he had any intention of apologizing. Like, Joel McHale is a good actor, but even he couldn't sell that fake as apology. Mm, I agree. And also, like, it's clear that he is struggling, period, right? Like, he doesn't know who he is outside of the Starman identity. He's still clearly angry about, like, the death of his friends at the hands of the ISA. And he's still struggling with, like, how Pat has changed, too. Because, like, Pat has grown up and uh, Sylvester can't boss him around like he used to. Like, that whole... a sidekick! I know! The Audacity. Do you see that beard? That is the beard of a hero. Right. Not a sidekick. Okay. And that's the only time we will talk about that beard in this episode. I promise. But that really bothered me that he just assumed that he knew what was best in going into that conversation with the shade. And clearly, like his information and his way of doing things is just outdated like he truly does not have a place in boo valley as starman so he needs to figure out who he is as sylvester pemberton which may be a murderer right like the entire thing with pat like when he wouldn't move like he wouldn't scoot over so Paco said like what are you doing seriously sylvester and sylvester Pemberton has never been likable but like i don't know like at some point i thought maybe they did want us to like him but at this point i'm like maybe the suspects being the episode that focuses on how he doesn't know who he is um is trying to tell us something because i mean and honestly rick and yolanda who distrust everyone have not pointed out how she like has no one asked them how he came back like you just you guys just accepted that he's still mad about his friends dying and i get it i'd be mad but it's like for him time hasn't passed he's still stuck in the moment right after it happened and i'm not saying he needed to get over it but people process grief 
Okay, people process grief and it feels like he hasn't processed the grief, maybe because he didn't actually live all of those years. Where were you and how did you just come back now? And why is no one asking? Are you smart people? Like, I, I feel like if you let Paula on this case, she would ask the right questions. So, like, maybe you just get some of the villains on the case. Like, I don't you agree, Angie? I 100% agree because Paul is the one who's asking the questions that we're all wondering, like, why do people want me to bake? Well, yeah, it's, it's because that's how you make people think that you care. Like, as a sidebar, that scene was just, it's just great comedy. It was so good. I love the moms. But back to Starman. So, like, he he pulls Courtney out of school just to, like, Right. Be the, able to get his her. hands on the staff to like show her stuff. I'm saying in quotes. Is it that, or is it that he just needed to like funnel his energy through the staff, and like he knew he had to get Courtney out to do that? Like, I also don't trust that. But also, this like shooting star power that he shows Courtney, if it is like Peter Pan and its positive, happy thoughts and pixie dust that makes it go. What do you think Sylvester was thinking about in order to make that happen? All the other villains he hasn't murdered yet. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's the, a lot of things about this episode just didn't click. Like in for Sylvester, like I'm super sorry. But when we heard that Pat was the only one that went to his funeral, I was like, yeah, that tracks. I'm sorry <laughs> to say that makes absolute sense. Um, because dude, you're not very likable. Like even Courtney has a moment where she's like, and Courtney is a sweet summer child. Um, and I, I don't want to be in agreement with Rick and Jolanda who really should like breathe a little, but at this point, when it comes to, to Cindy, I'm like, why are you focusing just on her when there's someone else here? That's just way more suspicious people like focus um and then they are buddy buddy with sh the shade or like at least sort of accept the shade as someone who changed but they're like cindy she could never change it's like okay yeah it just seems a lot more personal with cindy which i get because she's of their age group and they're like their experiences are especially like yolanda like obviously it's gonna no, no. i get yolanda more than rick yeah i get yeah you know what also speaking of rick i'm sorry but i have to talk about this the apple. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we're back to the apples. He had an apple on the table. And I guess that was his lunch. Like, was that the sole content of his sad brown bag? This Where episode? is he living? Who is feeding <laughs> who, this boy? Who is feeding him apples? It's not Grundy. We know he's still in the ground. So <laughs> maybe he's buying apples in Grundy's memory and that's all he can afford. I don't know. Like, and then we saw Cameron this episode too, which mm -hmm. I guess sort of goes with the whole frenemies thing. Because I don't think he's an enemy right now. He's not a villain. Even though creepy grandparents are there like trying, trying. Uh, poor boy just wants to paint. Let him paint. <laughs> poor And like, if we're thinking about him potentially as a suspect, he like, what would be his motive though? Like, especially with the gambler, it doesn't make any sense. So I think he's like out of the running for being one of the suspects. Although they did go out of their way to focus on him a little bit in this episode. So 
Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I also have a question about the gambler. Who yeah. in the, like who wants us to believe he had all those suits in that suitcase? Like I could not for the life of me. Like when he opened the suitcase and he starts pulling out things, and then they pan to the suitcase again and it's half full. And I was like, all of those things did not fit there. And if they did, can you please recommend that suitcase to me? I would like to buy seven. He, he really utilizes those like space saver bags that you have to like vacuum down, you know. <laughs> God, that was my first note for the episode. All of that didn't fit in the suitcase. No way. Also, that's like a really nice trailer. Like, well, that's what I was thinking about. I was like, that'd be like an interesting place to like vacation out of, perhaps. Like, right. And then, I mean, I guess we're supposed to believe he stole all this money, so that wouldn't be a problem. But like, couldn't he get a house if he stole all the money? Right, he could rent a house. Like, The Shade has this like really beautiful house in Blue Valley. Like, how come Gambler couldn't get himself a house and had to get a trailer? Or he does he did he knew, know he was gonna get killed? Like, was it a frame job? I don't know because it mm. feels weird. He was in the middle of nowhere in a trailer and had a tiny gun that I guess was supposed to scare someone because it was pretty. Like, I just, it looked like the kind of gun you just, like, display somewhere. Just like, what are you doing? It was, like, literally the size of, like, squirt guns that you would play with as a kid before you even, like, leveled up to super soakers. It was, like, those little itty-bitty, like, squirt guns. That's what it reminded me of. I was like, how is this supposed to intimidate anyone? Right. And that was never his way of intimidating people anyway. Which I guess he doesn't have the muscle anymore. And we didn't see the crew that was supposedly working for him again, which I assume they weren't really working for him. Otherwise, what's the point of that storyline? But yeah, I don't really, it's not that I have that much more to say about the gambler other than I knew that the, we probably knew that the daughter was real and we probably all figured how Courtney was going to take that. So, but at least that gave us a really nice moment between Courtney and Pat, which I think we've been missing because all the focus on Courtney and Starman can go to hell and like, give me Courtney and Pat. And when she was talking about how the things Pat taught her, I'm like, yes, this is what I wanted. I know. I know. It made me want to go punch her dad again. Uh, yes it was just so sweet how she was talking about like do you realize how much i would have loved to have heard this from my own dad and she was saying that to pat who's like obviously her dad just like oh the feel and i love that pat doesn't like dismiss her or never treats her like her optimism and how good she is is a bad thing like sometimes it might be a liability but Pat is never treating it like it is. He's just there to point out the things she might be missing because she's so optimistic without ever making her feel bad for being who she is. Yeah, like clearly Courtney is the only one who's sticking up for Cindy at this moment. Like obviously we talked about like how Rick and Yolanda are just convinced it's Cindy and are building a case against her. Um, but I'd like to take a moment to talk about like Beth and all of that too. Because I think she's like, low-key being a super awesome teammate like potentially with like even leadership potential because she's just running on pure logic she's just saying okay here's the evidence chuck's goggles found this thing therefore we can't like rule out any of these other things too like i think she is the voice of reason among the group but she's getting lost because courtney is super vocal in her 
optimism and let's trust everyone and give them the benefit of the doubt. And then Yolanda being like, no, we know she's terrible. She did it. Like Beth is a good balance, I think, between the two of them. And I don't think she gets like enough credit for being that person on the team. And I'd like to see more of that. Right. I think uh, it's easy for Yolanda and Rick to sort of dismiss her as being on Courtney's side just because she's not willing to side with them against Cindy. Um, I, I think they keep trying to paint Cindy as the most logical suspect just because she has a computer. And I obviously do not think it's Cindy because in a TV show, every time they're trying really, really hard to point one direction, it's not that. Um, but considering what we saw Cindy doing, like, do we think something's happening to her? Like, is she sick? Is she trying to cure herself or something? Something that her dad did? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It seems like the whole glowing liquid thing that we saw in the um, trailer that we talked about. I would have, because she like did that whole shoulder rub thing right. beforehand, like, I would imagine it's some sort of like healing, like restorative kind of thing, just based on that movement alone. Otherwise, why do it? Because I don't think that lines up with her being in a fight with right. anyone to where she would be like, sore right it just it what i know for sure is it doesn't make sense that it's just straight up it was cindy who did it um so i also don't know other than just general oh he was one of the bad guys what would cindy's motives be exactly yeah unless like gambler really like conspired with her dad and like doing something to her but i don't know that seems kind of far-fetched for me personally right it, it's like the whole thing with um, the Crocs, like to have a dad there with a like almost like it just it felt like they were just trying to throw many suspects our way. Um, and just none of them really like it, it wasn't Cameron. Like if you told me it was Cameron's creepy grandparents, that could have been a thing I would have believed because, man, are those too creepy. Like they yeah. just put out like out of the corner of every scene when you're like, this is a good scene or a bad scene or whatever. And then they're like, yeah, ha, ha. they're like cartoonishly bad. And in a show like Stargirl, that almost works. Right. And they're so like, I would say the only thing more creepy than like creepy grandparents is like creepy children, which we had last season. <laughs> so they're just they're making their rounds with all the creepy tropes right and then we have the the creepy grandparents and then creepy sylvester with his whole i killed the jsa well i mean let me be honest sylvester you kind of screwed up and like i'm not saying you killed the jsa but you like did help Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and like the other question i had with all this is like that end scene with Sportsmaster and Tigress where it's only a matter of time before they find out. So, I mean, obviously it sounds like they're trying to pin the murder on them, but it's not going to be that. Let's, let's be for real. So what are they hiding is what I want to know. Yeah. I, I have no idea, uh, but I'm pretty sure they did not kill the gambler. Like if they had, why would they have shown us the scene at the beginning when he gets there with his car and then uh, drives away? Yeah. And they clearly have too much to lose. Like obviously Paula still has to work on her baking and that takes a lot of time. So yeah. I mean, Barbara also has to work on her baking. 
<laughs> oh man, just give me an entire episode of the two of them doing something together. Like, I know. I reckon go with Paula to that Rority Club uh, meeting because she said she joined. So I mean, I just I would love that. I I find them hilarious together. I know it's it's definitely like the comedic pairing that we needed in this season. It reminds me kind of like how much we enjoyed the comedic pairing of like uh, Beth and Pat when they were trying to infiltrate right. Cindy's house. Like I really have been enjoying just like the the chemistry between the two of them and just how like deadpan Paula is and asking her questions. It's it's just so good. Right. And I, I would actually, I mean, I've enjoyed, I, I sort of like that we've spent some time, which is something we talked about before, some time with the core four. Um, but at some point, like, I guess Artemis has to come in, like, sort of shake up the dynamics. And then, I mean, we left a whole, whole lot of people uh, hanging last season. Uh, we still got a Green Lantern out there. We got a lot of things to sort of go back to. Um, but it sort of feels like that might be just second half of the season and we may, might stay in this mystery of who killed the gambler for like maybe the first six like we sort of did last season. Um, and uh, at this point, I wouldn't even be surprised if whoever killed the gambler is not someone we have seen. Or mm -hmm. if it's not Starman, it might just be someone who like will come up in like the episode six. Yeah, or and then... Speaking of, like, things that we still haven't, like, really wrapped up, like, the whole thing with Mike and Joaquim, like, they keep giving us, like, little snippets of what they're up to. So it's their bright idea to catch the killer. So the JSA will take them seriously. I don't know if that's the right way to go about it, boys. <laughs> like, if anything, that's going to make the JSA even more angry at you that you're using the Thunderbolt for this purpose, knowing how dangerous it is. But I will say, Mike got some funny moments in this episode. I, I wrote down a couple of his knives. He's got uh, this whole quip about an ancient Merns as they're talking about um, the fact that the villains died, the, the gambler died. Um, it was kind of funny. And then he's got a moment where he's talking about toxic masculinity. He's just, he's been funny. Yeah. Funny. And then yeah, just, like, toxic masculinity, what? It's like, it, it sort of worked within the context of, how old they're supposed to be. And even the whole thing with the bathroom was like, it says men, not boys. And the bathroom did say boys. So they were just funny. I, I enjoyed that part. Yeah, I think that the two of them have been really fun to watch. And I think there has to be a way to like integrate them more into like what the core four are doing or else why, unless they are going to form their own little group but then i think that would make the show too crowded so right. they, there has to be a way of like bridging those two i think and perhaps that's also going to be a back half of the season thing yeah yeah i don't i don't know because it feels like this episode was a little slow like it didn't find it boring but it we're still in the setup mm -hmm. of it all and and just that we spent so much of the setup on like i'd rather we spend it on Cameron and then on Starman. Like, I'm tired of Starman's issues. Like, this is Stargirl, okay? Uh, Starman is another show that I wouldn't be watching. So can we move on? I know. I, like, give me an emo boy who's just trying to make art, man. I want to see that show. 
right? I, I'll take Cameron's show or even Rick. Like, can you explain to me honestly, show how he's eating, what he's eating? Like, I will take a breakdown of every meal. Like, he's our man. And also, poor boy had to uh, fix that hourglass off screen like that must have been hard like i'm not saying i wanted him to spend six episodes without powers but like five minutes into how he figured it out like come on because everyone keeps treating him like he is because he's quote unquote a loser everyone also keeps treating him like he's not that smart he fixed the hourglass like someone we should be looking at him like the smartest of the team (laughs) i know poor guy like he's barely like in high school and he's doing some crazy advanced what is that engineering i don't even know see i don't even know what branch of science to call it yeah what a fail (laughs) yeah we're not rick but we are worried about his well-being okay so someone better be out there bringing him those apples at least well grundy can't uh, and when Grundy comes back, because we all know Grundy's coming back. I don't know how, but Grundy's coming back. And when Grundy's coming back, he will be glad there was someone else to bring Rick Apple. <laughs> Can you just imagine, like, Grundy in, like, a cute little 1950s apron, bringing out freshly baked muffins to Rick for breakfast? Look. Oh. Food and beverages are very important to the season of Stargirl. The Shade spent a lot of time teaching <laughs> how to make the perfect cup of tea. And then he has I to leave. Left. He left her. He left the perfect cup of tea. Isn't he this left, like- honestly, he left like the perfect woman for him. Like now that she knows how to make a perfect cup of tea, he just went and left her. Right? So how sad that Starman ran him out. He also probably had something else to do. He was like, I'm going to use this excuse to go out like a victim here, but I was leaving tomorrow anyway. Because, uh, but I, I don't really have much to say. This has been like a train wreck of an episode, but I just <laughs> really needed to talk. Like, we have some constants in our uh, Stargirl podcast live, like, worried about it what Rick eats, Pat's beard lately, uh, mm-hmm. Courtney being a precious summer child who just, Corny, no, on mm-hmm. almost everything. So we are who we are, and then we. I had to bring up the suitcase. I'm like, it's still on my. Like, it's number one thing. Like, how did he fit all of that there? The number one thing for me was the apple. I was like, oh. this is why we make a perfect podcast between the apple and the suitcase. You're welcome. <laughs> That's it. There, there's nothing more to say. Apple and no. the suitcase. The apple and the suitcase. That should be the name of the episode. Okay, I'm going to shut up now and tell you the you can visit stargirlpodcast.com for all the latest news about the Stargirl show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Stargirl Podcast as well. Subscribe to Stargirl Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And while you're on Apple Podcasts, hit us up with some five-star reviews. And don't forget, we are part of the DC TV Podcast Network with podcasts for all the DC shows at dctvpodcast.com. You can follow the network on social media at DCTV Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Last but not least, subscribe to our mega feed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. We also have our own T Public store, so if you're interested in DCTV related merchandise, click on the link in the show notes and get some awesome gear as it does help support this network so we can continue to make these podcasts. 
If you have questions, thoughts about Stargirl, etc., you can email us at stargirlpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. Goodbye. Bye.